per week going forward and i also know that uh, we only had one podcast last week but here's the deal my wife and i had a baby last tuesday and he came eight weeks early so we were not properly prepared for that moment at about a 90 minute window from the moment that i knew i was going to have a baby to the moment that i actually had a baby and so i've been busy and uh, surely you understand people understand don't they norlander why we only had one podcast last week yeah, we did actually get a few tweets asking uh, around <laughs> Friday morning, Friday afternoon, where the Thursday podcast was. Um, at that point, I did let people know because you had shared on Facebook and Twitter what had happened. But uh, yeah, this you know for dedicated podcast listeners, this has turned into quite um, an incredible 2016 for you because obviously uh, earlier in the year um, we know that you had lost a child, and now you you had another one uh, granted prematurely. I'm thrilled to hear that. Little Louis, little Louis Parish, by Louis. the way, <laughs> uh, that somehow fits so perfectly to be that you would have a son named Louis. Um, you have no idea is, how much, how, how many issues we've had over the naming of. Well, this I child. thought, yeah, well, I because I thought it was Louis. Literally, everybody who has verbalized the name without hearing it from me first has said Louis because it's spelled L O U I S, right? Uh, like Louis Vuitton or Louis C.K., but also like Louis Gossett Jr. So Kelly had decided, my wife, um, several months ago, she she said, hey, I want to name the baby Louis. And I was like, whatever. You know, like, I, like I'm, okay, I'm, I'm busy recording a podcast. Name the baby whatever you want. Because I know ultimately I don't have any real say over this. I, like, I swear to God, I've told this story before. On, on our, our, our second son, Oliver, like when I got the birth certificate, like the middle name was something that I never even talked about with her. Like I thought we were naming him something, Oliver something. And it, I, I look up and it's Oliver Jean. I'm like, where did Jean come from? Yes. She's, she's like, well, that's my grandmother's middle name. And it would mean a lot. I'm like, we never talked about that. And she was like, oh, I didn't, you know, it's just like I was out of the room when the birth certificate people came and it was game, set, match. So I recognized then I have very little say over this. So the only thing I said to her was, I said, like, I hear you. Um, but you have to understand with with L-O-U-I-S, that is one of the rare letter combinations that is pronounced two totally different ways. You know, there is Louis C.K. and there is Louis Gossett Jr. And it's spelled the exact same way. And she said, well, only dumb people don't know it's Louis. And I said, no, 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 no. Like she's like, I never I never knew you to care about what dumb people think. Why do you care now? And I was like, it's not dumb people like it is a it's a it's a it's a. It's a letter combination that is pronounced two different ways, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And it, but it reads Lewis. So as long as you're comfortable knowing that when he's in kindergarten and they call roll, it's going to be Lewis when he's, uh, you know, uh, let's say he's a baseball player when he's playing a game, they're going to introduce him as Lewis. Like, as long as you're okay with that, that's the way it's going to go down. And that's fine. But just know it's going down that way. She was like, I don't think so. I said, fine, whatever. So we announced the name, just, you know, typed it so people read it. I'm telling you, it is like I've had like 15 people actually verbalize the name to me without me saying it first. And it is 15 for 15, Lewis, every time. 
and I have to stop them and say, no, it's actually Louis. And they're like, oh, we didn't know. Of course you didn't know. Nobody knows. So like the name has been a point of contention, but like that is the, the least of our worries at this point. Yeah. Um, no, listen, yeah. Like, thrilled that everything's going well, well, well right now because, you know, he's it, obviously premature. Yeah. And uh, um, well, you know, like with our last child, we, you know, I talked about I, my my radio show is sort of a like it's very much about it's a sports talk radio show, but it's, I'm very much a part of it. My children are very much a part of it. My wife's very much a part of it. Um, so we shared that. Um, I think we shared it on the podcast. We shared it on the radio show. I, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere you would. And then we lost uh, the child, um, very late in the process. It wasn't just a miscarriage. We like had to deliver a, a, a stillborn baby. And that was a, a hell of a deal. And so when we got pregnant again, we didn't say anything for a couple of different reasons. Um, one is because um, you're just nervous. You're just like it's very normal after you go through something like that to just be anxious and nervous and sort of expecting the worst. That's that's according to everything I've read. But also we had, you know, very real issues that I, I won't get into, but like that suggested this pregnancy would not go well either. Um, at one point, like I wrote, um, our, our doctor, who is amazing, uh, suggested that not suggested. I, I don't want to, uh, but but at least put it on the table. Perhaps you guys should consider terminating this pregnancy. And the reason he suggested that, or at least put it on the table, was because speaking to all of his colleagues, and he's an amazing high risk pregnancy doctor, and speaking to and, and reading everything he could find, he couldn't find any evidence that a a woman in Kelly's condition had ever successfully delivered a child it just had like i'm not saying it's never happened like it's a big world and it's been around for a long time but he couldn't find any evidence that a woman facing what she was facing had ever successfully delivered a child and so we we opted not to to terminate the pregnancy and we but and we basically just decided all right let's go forward well fingers crossed hope for the best but prepare for the worst uh but like you know this was very much a even delivering the child was a 15 seed upsetting a two. Like it was not supposed to happen. And even if it was supposed to happen, uh, we were going to deliver it 34 weeks, which was still six weeks premature. But um, that, that was the plan to deliver it 34 weeks because uh, they didn't want her carrying him full term no matter what. But I think at like 31 weeks, the doctors decided, and like you have to understand, we've been in a doctor's appointment every week for it since we found out she was pregnant. At like 31 weeks, the doctors decided, okay, we've reached a point where if there's any issue going forward, we will deliver that day. And so, um, but, but like there was no issue when they decided that. They were just like, next time we bump into something, we're just going to deliver. And so it was last Tuesday. I was 10 minutes away from getting ready to do a radio show. Like I was at my radio station. And Kelly called and she said, um, hey, uh, Dr. Sampson called and there's there's something he noticed in the ultrasound and he wants me to come to the hospital. And I was like, now you have to understand, we've been in the hospital like three times throughout this pregnancy because anytime there was anything of question, um, they would just hospitalize her. They wanted to monitor her. And I was like, OK, well, I, you go to the hospital, I'll do the radio show, I'll meet you there afterward. And she was like, no, 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 they want to deliver the baby now. And, and I was like, uh, like tonight? She was like, no, now. And like from that moment, it was like it was like 45 minutes later, hour later, like we were in the room delivering the baby. And uh, so it was very quick. You know, you I think I think I got that phone call at 350 central time. We had the baby at like 520 central time. 
Like, and like, I mean, he was out and alive and, and everything is great except he's eight weeks premature. And so he's in the NICU and is going to be for a little while. Um, but all things considered, it's like really somewhat of a miracle that we ever even reached 32 weeks. Uh, and, and amazing that he's doing as well as he's doing there. Um, there have been, uh, he, he's healthy in every way, except he's not supposed to be in this world for another eight weeks. Um, yeah, that, uh, well, that's just, you know, the notion of that is, is wild and crazy and thank God for modern technology. Um, for real, because I mean, it really brings in so many babies into this world and keeps them alive that, you know, that <laughs> sounds harsh, but basically for all of human history, say for the last 30 years, wouldn't have been the case, you know? No. So we are lucky. No, we are. Time. And, and for anybody, and I promise we're talking basketball in just a second, for anybody who, uh, and there's been a whole bunch of you, sent a note um, or uh, a text or whatever, thank you so much, because it really does mean the, the world to my, to my wife and I. We've been, it's been a hard year. Um, you know, we've been uh, the lowest of lows for just incredibly unlucky reasons. And, and now the highest of highs for also uh, incredible uh, lucky reasons. Uh, I, I don't think we ever deserve to be as unlucky as we were last February. And we probably don't deserve to be as lucky as we are right now. So I'm not saying it balances out because it doesn't. One doesn't cancel out the other. Um, but um, it was kind of a bad year. And, uh, but it might end on a good note. At least at this moment, it feels like it, uh, it might. So thank you for, uh, to anybody who's, uh, who sent the note. Uh, yeah, and, and I can, you know, if we want to pivot real quick, so I get the news from you like 35 minutes before the Champions Classic was set to tip off, and so first of all, like, I, you know, I just, uh, you know, had some nervousness with that overall, and then soon thereafter got the the note from you that uh, that Louis was in the world and all that, um, but that made for a very bizarre, surreal night just because um you know it's a huge you know college basketball event i remember a year ago sitting in the hospital room with my newborn son watching the champions classic um so uh you know i you know it was kind of funny how a year later unexpectedly <laughs> we had kind of flipped in reverse roles because you were at the champions classic the year prior um and michigan state which i'm sure we're going to get to what they went through here on sunday night but uh you know from a basketball perspective, GP, uh, that first game, I was almost a little lucky that it wasn't that great because I was kind of just like waiting to see what was happening with you and all that. And then we got uh, a very entertaining second game uh, between Duke and Kansas. I don't know where you want to go with this, but, you know, Duke is they won in Mohegan Sun. They beat Rhode Island. They beat Penn State the day before. They're still, you know, they're doing well, despite the fact that they, they just can't get past all these injury issues. Even Chase Jeter got a little banged up. So there's something with that to kind of keep monitoring. Kansas overall, I liked what I saw out of Kansas. Obviously, they win with Frank Mason's terrific buzzer beater. You know, if you want to have this sort of ridiculous conversation about who's leading for National Player of the Year, nine days into a season, it would be Mason just because he's been so big and he's had, you know, a huge moment there overall. I will say Michigan's, this, though. Let me, let me step you for a second. Um, yeah, yeah, like the Heisman Trophy is one where I think everybody sort of overreacts to. Um, Cause it's like, Oh, he's got it locked up. And like almost nobody ever has got it locked up. Like Lamar Jackson at this point, after what happened over the weekend, um, it doesn't feel like he's got it locked up. Right. Um, not necessarily. Um, so the Heisman, I do think it is insane to start talking about, you know, who's going to win it so early or that's the favorite so early because you, you know, it's really the last few weeks of the season where that thing is typically determined, but in college basketball, you know, do you remember, 
like who who was the star of the Champions Classic last year? I do not. Denzel Valentine. But I was. But to, my, but to my defense, yeah, my mind was elsewhere as I was suddenly responsible for another human life. But I think <laughs> yeah. in normal circumstances. But I get your greater point. Yeah, I get your greater point. Yes. I remember once upon a time watching Adam Morrison ball out the Maui Invitational. And that was sort of the launch of his National Player of the Year campaign. So this might be a sport, college basketball, where, um, you know, the first few weeks of the season, like if somebody's really playing at a high level, it does. Um, it, it, it tends to be a sign of what's to come. It certainly was with Denzel last year. Certainly was with Buddy Hill last year. Like those guys tend to, tend to present themselves early. And uh, if you're looking for that guy right now, it might, it might actually be Frank Mason. He's on a top five team and he's balling out. He is. And I, and I wrote a column afterward that basically said, like, I just, I don't know. I have a hunch. This is going to be a really fun, really good season for a number of reasons. Some of which we've touched on this podcast before. And to me, I think the Mason shot because one, because Kansas should be, I mean, it, it, they should be within the top 10 of the rankings almost the entire year, if not the entire year with that, with Mason being a big player on that team. I just think that will be something that is remembered to have sparked the start of the season sort of in earnest because it was a huge moment. National TV, college basketball kind of had the night to itself. So you definitely have a point there overall. Um, with Just real quick, uh, Kentucky's got um, so many options. I'm just kind of doing some broad Champions Classic takeaways that have been like rambling in my head since we have a podcast since then. But uh, Monk had a huge game. Uh, I, thought, I thought it appropriate on such a, a nice night for you on Tuesday that uh, Malik Monk finally balled the f out and looks fantastic i'm the fantastic. only dude who never i i have been with malik monk from the beginning and consistently i've well, always let's, thought let's he, hold, on, hold on i've always thought he was going to be great people were like i don't know about malik i've always known about malik monk the I, beginning i need to clarify this for listeners the beginning him. is defined by the fact that parish was sitting with me in <laughs> north augusta georgia at the biggest summer recruiting event that happens annually long after Malik Monk had been determined to be the best player on his AAU team. So if we wanted to find that as the beginning, in a grand scope, yes. You were with him you know, more than a year than it before he ever stepped uh, onto Kentucky's campus. I totally feel you in regard to that. I'm still going to stick to the fact that he could be a streaky shooter, but streakiness can have huge payoffs like it did when he was 7 of 11 from deep, and I don't think one other Kentucky player even hit a three-pointer. No. It was a huge difference in the game and kind of just demolishing Michigan State who just did not have the speed, size was an issue. Uh, Izzo was actually, frankly, kind of disgusted with with how his team even failed to compete like the way that I think he thought they were going to. But granted, let's remember Michigan State and Kansas, and the and Self had mentioned this as well, just they had gone to Hawaii, and then they went to New York. Kansas didn't even stop, I think. I think they went straight from one to the other. Self kind of deadpanned. If you're going to travel that much, you might as well try and get at least one win out of it. So it was it was pretty interesting overall um, with state. If you don't mind me, GP, let me just pivot here because this is I just wrote about this. So state right now is two and two. They had a really controversial ending here on Sunday night. We're recording this late Sunday night. So they barely beat Joe Dooley's Florida Gulf Coast team, who is probably going to be the best team in this league and will have a good shot at getting back to the tournament. Like it is a it, it will compete with North Florida to win that league. Very talented team. And probably should have won the game if you even remove the final five seconds or whatnot. Just when you watch the way Gulf Coast is playing, they deserve to win that game, especially on the road against Michigan State. But then there's a there's a clock malfunction at the end. It's still at the at the time of this recording of this podcast, we still don't know exactly what happened with the clock, whether it was the clock operator or uh, the lead official. Can I saw control our buddy the clock. Jeff Goodman. He fired the clock 
Uh, he fired. He, he fired the clock operator. Poor guy. Do you know who the who, who the clock operator is at a college basketball game? It's, no, no idea. But I know it, he it, was. It's like a it's like a guy who's just a normal guy. Like he lives three houses down from you. And Goodman fired him Sunday. He fired him. He did fire him, and that and now we're we're learning that it very well could have been the lead official who can control the clock with uh with a little device on his belt, and it might have. It might have been his fault. We don't know yet. Now, the Big Ten should put out a statement, I would think, by noon on Monday, if not sooner. Would Goodman, uh, if but, the Big Ten released a statement, you think Goodman would give him his job back? I think, if, yeah, if, if he's proven to be wrong, yes. I mean, he was— When you update he, your hot seat list, will you put the Michigan State clock operator on it? Oh, uh, you you really got to take this to Twitter. I mean, this is great for the for the podcast, but I, I really think this should be uh, moved to another arena as well. Here's my whole thing on the on the, on the play. Um, I, the shot, so the final shot of the game didn't go, it was long, but the clock starts too early. The horn sounds, uh, as the player is taking the shot, I, I know it's impossible to deduce whether or not a horn going too early would have affected the player's shot, whether he made it or missed it. You can't really do that. But in my opinion, with such an egregious clock error, apparently it's not in the rule book. And this, to me, this is such a brutal ending to a game that I think it will probably have to be addressed in the offseason. Here's the basics. If the shot had gone in, the officials would have had the ability to go to the monitor, review it, deduce the time that was taken off the clock, and 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 if and if he had gotten it off in time, and by the way, he would have, because it took him less than 1.6 seconds to shoot the game-winning, what would have been the game-winning shot, um, and Travia Simmons of Florida Gulf Coast, then, the, then Florida Gulf Coast would have won. But for... And I texted Dooley uh, after, and I said, "Do I have this? Am I missing something blatantly uh, obvious with the rule book? Do I not have this right? You're telling me that because the shot was missed, the officials don't go to the monitor, don't determine uh, what had happened, the horn going off, all of that is off the table. To me, that's a flaw in the rule book, and I say that knowing full well that you cannot simply say, "Oh, he would have made it if he hadn't heard the horn." To me, that's not the issue. To me, that impacts the play undeniably. But the fact is that there was a clock malfunction. You should get to play the play over again. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think anything that's fixable should be fixed. Um, and, I, you know, you feel sick for those kids at Gulf Coast because, um, you know, you don't get an opportunity to, to win at Michigan State often. And yet they were right there. They had a chance. And it. I'm not saying they would have won if everything would have gone the way it should have gone. But things didn't go the way they should have gone. And that sucks. Um, and and that's that's something that you know they'll they'll remember forever and always think that it was an opportunity ripped away from them. And that's that's not it's not unique to them. It happens in sports all the time, uh, but it doesn't ever make it easier to digest. I, I hate it for them. Um, you know, perhaps they'd have still lost, but at, the, at least they they'd walk away not thinking that it was ripped away from them unfairly. Not and that doesn't mean intentionally. I, I don't I don't know that anybody intentionally screwed them. But they got screwed regardless, and the 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 byproduct, you know, the end result's the same. Yeah, it is. And by the way, even the play before Bridges, Miles Bridges, tremendous. You almost never see like this is like one out of every like two hundred inbound throws that you even see like a full court that someone even is able to swat away uh, an inbounds pass. It just speaks to Bridges' ridiculous athleticism. But He's he great. swats away the ball. And they lose point eight on the clock, and it didn't. It didn't take point eight. I mean, it, it was really like a tap, and it's right out of bounds. So even then, 
um, Gulf Coast really has has a has a rightful gripe with back-to-back plays there, uh, and that's a that's a team that will probably have a top 20 non-conference strength of schedule when all is said and done. They played Baylor really well to start the weekend, couldn't get a win there. Um, all things considered, you know, they've looked like a solid team overall. But but ultimately, if you can get those kind of wins, you know, they're one they're just huge for the program in general. But who knows? Like if Gulf Coast really does tremendously well in its league play and it owns a road win against Michigan State like that can have selection Sunday implications so I don't know that's the most immediate thing that's happened since we recorded the podcast but I mean what else do you want to hit on here because we've got I well, mean, there's, there's been plenty to talk about. well I think the big news from the weekend um, is undeniably Austin Nichols being dismissed from the Virginia basketball program this is a guy who um, was obviously an all-league player at Memphis uh, transferred to Virginia under um unusual circumstances i mean he's a he's a he's a memphis product transferring out of the university of memphis and opting to do it in july which is late in the transfer process typically um memphis initially tried to block him from going to virginia because memphis felt like virginia tampered um ultimately uh, memphis uh backed off and allowed him to go there set out all last year per normal ncw transfer rules um was some people's like you know, second team All American preseason, like a you know All ACC guy, like he was supposed to be great at Virginia, and he ends up playing one game before he's dismissed from the program on on Friday night. I mean, can you ever remember somebody who in the preseason was being called by some people a preseason second team All American being dismissed from a team from a program so early in a season? I was trying to think of it earlier. Yep. I can't think of anybody else. I thought about it when I saw the news. Um... Because, you know, sometimes these things happen like this. So I think you had sent a text because that was that was Friday getting ready to feed my kid. And I saw like you say, like, I'll get something on nickels. And I'm thinking something on nickels. And I just turned off my computer maybe five minutes ago. I finally closed it. And so I go and check and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like he's off the team. One game. I can't ever remember something like this happening. Uh, let it be known that Tony Bennett does not mess around. He had, you know, Nichols had had an issue with the suspension. This is clearly a don't do it again kind of deal mm-hmm. or, or don't even think about getting in any sort of trouble kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And he disregards that to what degree? I don't know. Well, I don't know if it was blatant, well, let's but, talk about but it still. Um, Cause I had yeah. a lot of people ask, well, what happened? What is this about? And so let me make it very clear. Let's stop talking about Austin Nichols for a second. And let's just talk about student athletes in general. I'm not talking about Austin Nichols anymore. We're just talking about student athletes. Almost without exception, if you see a defined suspension to start a season, three-game suspension, that's the one you hear all the time. Um, you know, but indefinite suspensions, they could be anything. And that's usually what suspensions are. You hear about a, a, a kid getting in trouble middle of the season. What is it always? Suspended indefinitely. It's always suspended indefinitely. The not the only time, but but one of the few times where it is a defined suspension, which is what Austin's was: three game suspension, two exhibitions, and the opener season, regular season opener to start the season. Usually, when it's a defined suspension to start the season, it's usually a, a failed drug test. That, yes. that, that 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 is understood. Not always, but usually. Not always. Not always, but usually, because it is. It's typically a university-triggered um, suspension that is defined in a handbook somewhere. 
if you fail this or if you fail this X amount of times, this is the suspension for that. Um, and, and universities can make their own rules, um, but you have to then go by you have to then you have to go by the rules. Like whatever you say the punishment is, you have to then, you know, you have to punish in that way. So um, just keep that in mind. Every time you hear about somebody suspended to start the season for a defined amount of games, it is you. It's not always not always, but it's usually a failed drug test. And uh, so Austin Nichols was was suspended for the first two exhibitions for the exhibitions and, and for the season opener. Then he played, you know, then second game of the season for Virginia uh, scored 11 points in, in like 16 minutes off the bench. And then he was dismissed from the school, um, uh, dismissed from the program uh, permanently. Like it's over. He's not going to play at Virginia anymore. And so I'll let everybody connect whatever dots they want to connect. Um, but it's just a bizarre story. And the truth is, I think everybody is sort of disappointed at how this went down. I know his parents are. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I know the people at Virginia are. Uh, but you know who's, who I, I'm not sure? And I don't want to speak for Austin. I, I'll let Austin talk about this on his own someday. But you know who I, I think might not be bothered too much that his college basketball career is probably over? Austin Nichols. I don't think he can. And why? I've heard. Yeah, this, I've, I've heard, heard that. By the way, I've heard this about. Austin. Like, I've I've heard that I've heard that he doesn't love basketball as much as someone with his his talent. You might think would or should. That's you, just you find a little guy who plays basketball. Again, I, I don't want to paint with a broad brush here. I'm I'm probably generalizing, but this is mostly true. You find little guys that play basketball. They play because they love it. They love the hoop, and sometimes that's true with big guys as well. But a lot of times, what you'll find is a guy who's tall, six nine that they, they, they started playing because they were tall. And they kept playing because they were tall and good. Because people always said, you're good, you're tall, you should play basketball. They don't really love it. You know, they, they just play because they're always, they've always been good at it and they're tall and people think they ought to play. Um, Austin has never told me he doesn't love basketball. But every coach who's ever coached Austin has told me they don't know if he loves basketball. That um, he doesn't have a passion for it. I know it was an issue at Memphis. You know, one of the things his father was concerned with at the University of Memphis after two seasons was, you know, he went from somebody who was a top 20 national recruit and possible first round NBA draft pick to somebody who wasn't showing up on mock drafts anywhere. And that was the biggest complaint or among the complaints that the family had with the University of Memphis, with Josh Pastner and his staff. Our son came to you as a top 20 national recruit, somebody who was projected first round draft pick. Now we can't find him anywhere. We go to DraftExpress.com, he ain't there. We go to Chad Ford, he's not there. What's the problem? And they blame that on Josh and, and that staff, at least in some ways. And, and one of the things that that, that that staff said, and I know that somebody on the staff said this exactly to the family. I don't want to say who, but it was somebody on the staff. Said, if you want to blame us for your son not showing up on draft boards or already being in the NBA, that's fine. But since your son's sitting here, why don't you ask him the last time he was in a gym? He hadn't been in a gym in a month. Like, unless it was, like, time to practice because we had a practice. He was, he's not the guy going to the gym to get shots up by himself. And so the Memphis staff always had that issue with him. He's obviously good. They wanted to keep him. But, like, yo, man, what do you, we know your dad wants this for you. We want this for you. Do you want it for you? 
That was always an issue at Memphis. So then he goes to Virginia, and one of the first things I heard last year after they got him on campus from somebody, I'll just say, connected to that program was, we don't know if he, we don't know if he loves it. You know, like he's here and he's, he's you know, he, he, when we tell him to work out, he works out. But, like, we don't know if he loves this. And I wonder if his life drifted in a way. Um, you know, maybe just because some people's lives drift in a way. It could be as simple as that. But also because, like, it might be an out for him. You know, he just he doesn't have to play basketball anymore. And I, don't, I think he's probably okay with that. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't change his mind someday and regret it someday. But, like, at this moment, November 20th, 2016, I genuinely believe Austin Nichols is perfectly fine not playing basketball. And I don't know that he'll ever play again. And I don't mean just in college. I don't know if he'll ever try to play basketball again at any level. Um, which, yeah, I which, mean. Which is just wild for somebody of his ability. But, you know, there, there are people in all walks of life who are gifted at certain things and just don't want to do those things. And maybe Austin is an example of that in basketball. I hate it. I wanted him to go to Virginia and be awesome uh, because I'm, I've known him and his family for a long time. I like Austin Nichols. I, I like his family. Um, but you can't want it for somebody if they don't want it for themselves. And I'm not sure that Austin wants to be a, a basketball player. And so he's not a basketball player anymore. And that's and one, you know, his life, his choice, one that's fine. There's no there's nothing that says that because you are happen to be six, eight, six, nine and really just have natural gifts at playing a certain game. You know, you don't have to do it. But by by not doing it, then, yes, you certainly uh, knowingly make life choices that, you know, will take you down different paths. And if he had wanted to do it, he could have made himself millions and millions and millions of dollars. And that is probably now off the table. Uh, that's fine. Within the basketball only, uh, you know, discussion here, one, it's fascinating just, you know, to find someone that if if this is the end, by the way, he never plays again. To me, that's just fascinating. Even if he like does, even if it's you know, on a surface level, maybe it's I'll a tell little. You this, I'll tell you this. I don't think he, at this moment he ever wants to play basketball again. Now, also understand he's like 22 years old. Like, 22-year-olds can have all sorts of ideas about they, what they do want to do and what they don't want to do. And then you get to be 25 and you go, whoa. You know, like, people change. Like, if you yeah. don't change from the age of 22 to 26 or 26 to 33, then, like, something's wrong with you. You should change. So it doesn't mean he'll never play basketball again. He might wake up someday and go, whoa, what am I doing? I'm wasting a talent and I want to go do something with this talent. Um, but at this moment, I feel comfortable telling you, Austin Nichols has no interest in playing basketball. Just doesn't want to do it. The other aspect is, you know, this is a player that we both thought was going to be a top 25 player in the sport. Maybe even could have been, you know, top 15, top 10-ish, depending on, again, how much he was going to be committed to that program and how good Virginia was going to be. So now within the league and overall, I, I'm a I'm a seller on Virginia's, I, I was to begin with, on just their general outlook. Um, they're still going to be a tournament team, don't get me wrong, but to me, not having Nichols in there, hey, maybe, you know what, Maybe in a weird way it ends up being addition by subtraction, but I'm not fully on board with that. I actually think that the Who's might end up being, you know, five seed, six seed range. It wouldn't shock me if that's what they – because, again, they lost a lot from last year as well on top of that. You know, Prancis is a fine point guard and all, but he's not a top five point guard in the sport by any means, I don't think. So from a purely basketball perspective, it is interesting because it just – it shakes up the ACC a little bit. Uh, and obviously what we've said so many times before is is clearly set up to be by far the best, you know, conference in the sport. Um, you know, it is Thanksgiving week now, and that means 
oddly, for whatever reason, some great basketball. Uh, Love it, man. It is a great week to watch college basketball. And it starts on Monday with the Maui Invitational, which is just a a tremendous tournament. I mentioned, uh, you know, several years ago, that's where Adam Morrison's like the, the, you know, Adam Morrison, people focus on like it didn't work out for him in the NBA um, for injuries, mostly, I think. But but perhaps just because it was never going to work out. I don't know. Um, But like the Adam Morrison phenomena like started in Maui. And, um, you know, I can remember because I was the Memphis beat writer at the time, Gonzaga was playing here that year at, at FedEx Forum. And, like, the Adam Morrison coming to town after that Maui performance with the mustache. Like, he was a college basketball, like, he was a thing. Like, he was a real thing. And him coming here, it was like a big, big deal. Like, Adam Morrison's coming to town. Adam Morrison's going to be here. It was the same as, like, you know, now with the Grizzlies, Steph Curry's in town, LeBron's in town. Like it felt the same way, and so that 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 Maui tournament, it's great every year, but it has a um, it has an ability, like it has the stage necessary to launch yourself into into uh, a different conversation. And this field's going to be fun. I mean, you get uh, Oregon there with Dylan Brooks expected to make his debut. Um, North Carolina's there, Wisconsin's there. Uh, a Georgetown team that's struggling um, is there. A Connecticut team that's struggling is there. Who do you think wins it? Oh, uh, you know what? I'll, I will say Oregon. Uh, I'm going to expect. I, Ooh, I know Oregon. Brooks is going to be on. Well, I mean, Brooks is going to be on a minutes watch, I'm sure. We'll see how healthy he is. I'll, I'll go with Oregon. But, it, it, listen, Wisconsin is – to put forth, I think, a pretty strong effort here. They've been a little underwhelming to start relative to what I might have expected. Carolina's looked pretty good overall, and they're pretty strong. I just love Maui, man. I I, I, I freaking love this tournament and, and this week in general because I wish that all these, like, you know, we watched how amazing that Nova-Purdue game was on campus. We get those kind of, you know, even uh, Maryland-Georgetown, before Georgetown took an absolutely hideous lost to Arkansas State. Georgetown lost in brutal fashion, but on its home floor against Maryland. But we saw, you know, a taste of these non-conference on-campus venues. But for Thanksgiving, I kind of like that, you know, we have these exempt events. You're going to have Battle for Atlantis as well. That's the other huge one uh, that'll start later in the week overall. And that's really, you know, it's kind of the uh, the counter to Maui in both the field and it's in, it's in a separate ocean. So, um I will say Oregon. I do like, I do like that team a lot. Just in in what they have. I mean, Boucher's started so tremendously. Um, I want to see. So UConn got dangerously close to starting zero and three. They barely get a win at LMU on Friday night to get to one and two, or maybe it was Thursday. I'm losing track of my days here. But regardless, now they go, and so Georgetown and UConn enter Maui with a ton of urgency overall. Um, it will be very interesting to see them, and then Oklahoma State, who isn't really expected to do a lot there. Let's just let's just see what Jawan Evans does because he's a fantastic player, and you know some of that Maui magic. It wouldn't shock me because one, Oklahoma State has a hell of a coach. I don't think they're going to win it, but if you told me that like Evans got hot and they found themselves in the title game, I wouldn't be stunned because we see stuff like that on occasion. Like there was that one year, like. I think Illinois won it when they weren't supposed to be that good and didn't even wind up being that good. So a lot of times you'll have either it be 
you know, Duke, Q's, Arizona, Kentucky, or Carolina. Like, a lot of the blue bloods that go there in most years win it. Like, Dayton won it that one year. But they, so every, like, five, six years, you do, you do get a random school that pops through and winds up winning it. I wonder if Oklahoma State will threaten with that to, to a certain degree. As for the battle for Atlanta, just to give viewers an idea of who's, go, who's going, you have VCU and Baylor, Michigan State, St. John's, Louisville, Old Dominion, and Wichita State, LSU. It's not a, it's not one of the best fields that they've they've had, but Baylor's look pretty solid. VCU is interesting. Michigan State is still enigmatic at this point. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not the favorite going. They're, just, they're not very yeah. good. Like Louisville will be considered the team uh, that's favored to win it going in. Uh, people probably haven't gotten a chance to really look at Louisville yet. They're they're definitely they've started as well as I think a lot of people that thought that this should be a top 15 team should start. And then Wichita State, I'm definitely intrigued to see overall. So that's later in the week. And there's plenty of others. I mean, but, you know, one after another, after another, after another. Wooden Legacy. I mean, there's stuff all over all over the dial. It should be a fun and interesting week. And I say it every year on the podcast because it's worth saying these games will matter because the interesting aspect to it is teams are going to be provided opportunities against opponents that they don't know they're going to have yet. They'll have 24 hours or less than that to basically scout and prepare for a team. And those kind of wins will without question, without debate, have impact on seeding or selection because non-conference play records against you know teams that are deemed to be top 25, top 40, top 50, top 60 will go into it. So this is a pivotal year. I know it's hard for general sports fans to connect Selection Sunday to a week like this because we have all this football going on and the NBA is in full swing. I get that totally, but there is undeniably a thread that will connect what we see over the next five or six days to what will happen on Selection Sunday. Meantime, our buddy Rob Doster has uh, uh, tweeted that uh, the ref had the clock at the end of the Michigan State-Florida Gulf Coast game, not the clock operator. So we're going to need Goodman. Jeff, if you're listening, please give the clock operator his job back. Please. Like, he's just a normal guy, like, doing the best he can. You don't have to fire him on Twitter oh, on, a, on, a sun, on a Sunday night, week of Thanksgiving. Can you imagine losing your job on a Sunday night, week Brutal. of Thanksgiving? Brutal. Brutal. And one result from the night that I thought was interesting, Creighton 112, NC State 94. Creighton put 112 on NC State. Wow. That's listen. I you know I'm I'm big on Creighton. Uh, I'm big on NC State too. Actually, I'm probably bigger on NC State than Creighton to be honest. Well, so you I'm shouldn't little, be not anymore. I'm in a twisted spot right now, GP. <laughs> they, they just played on a neutral uh, court. And Creighton, <laughs> and Creighton put 112 on them. So wherever you were when you woke up this morning, reverse it now. <laughs> hey, listen. That's I I see something like that, and yeah, you know, defense, uh, you know, not needed, but. You know, college hoops could be benefited by having the occasional game between two top 30, 35 teams in the sport this year, really flirting with the century mark and going over it. Creighton has a ton of offense. That's a that's a that's a standout no, result right, right no, there. I mean, they got a great backcourt. They do not have Devin Downey. Shout out to Devin Downey, but they do have Maurice Watson, who tonight he got thirteen point seven assists. Like they're they're good. Creighton's good. Yeah, and NC State might need a little more time. Dennis Smith had a nice game overall, but he hasn't been uh, electric out of the start like other freshmen have overall. Um, I think NC State will still put it together and be a pretty solid team. But, yeah, Creighton, listen, they should be they, deserving. Well, they, they, they've already beaten Wisconsin. They beat the yes. breaks off of Washington State, which I don't even know what that means, but they did it. And then they just pounded North Carolina State tonight. Like, that, like they got that going. They do. No, and, and with this right now, and we got – 
Villanova that played in the uh, the Charleston. Actually, they're still playing. So, yeah, still going 47-35 against UCF. If Villanova can hold on here, they're going to win uh, the coveted uh, Gildan Charleston Classic title. But with that, Xavier won its Tire Pros Invitational. It's kind of sad that I know the names of all these things, but I'm just watching that much basketball. What I'm getting at is uh, Creighton should be uh, deserving of sitting at the table with Nova and Xavier in the Big East this year. I do think that those will be the clear three best teams in the league, the, the conference will get more than that into the tournament, but I think there is a line of separation between them and the rest of the league. Well, let's, uh, let's get to bed, and we can wake up tomorrow and watch basketball. Deal? Dude, wake up, watch basketball. I, I love day basketball, man. Just this, that's the other side treat to this is you get a lot of day basketball, bleeds right into night basketball. Love it. And, uh, yeah, man, just thrilled that, uh, that little Louie is doing great. I feel like because his name is Louie, he's going to have the – like this is, you know, your your third son. He'll be the one that most resembles your personality purely because, purely because his name is Louis. Like I don't know any other Garys in my life except for you. I feel like I don't <laughs> like, know if like well, Northeast is, is short on Garys or no, whatever. No, no, no. There, there's actually like you can Google this because I've had a million people send me the article. The name Gary is going extinct. It's basically like a a, a, a saber tooth tiger. Like it, it's it's it, it doesn't like people don't name their kids Gary anymore to the extent that anybody does, it's to carry on a tradition like Gary Junior, Gary the Third, Gary the Fourth, whatever. I'm actually Gary Junior. My father's Gary Senior, so I was only named this. But like in the year 2016, like Gary's just off the table. Nobody's naming their kid Gary. <laughs> That's the truth. So Does that depress you or, or no, are you okay? Stupid, with- no, it's a silly name. You like, don't like your name? Have you? Do you hold it against your parents? I don't hold it against my parents because, like, what do you, you know, they, they did the best they could. But my name is Gary Turner Parrish Jr. I wish I would have gone by Turner Parrish. T- Turner Parrish kind of sounds good, right? Turner Parrish. I like that. Turner's, Turner's solid. Yeah. I didn't know your middle name was Turner. My middle name's Turner. I, I, don't, see, I, don't, I don't see that at all. You want to know something else well, about me? I was also, I was also uh, two months premature. That I did know. You, you have mentioned that to me before, which is crazy i was due on march 24th 1977 i was born january 24th i weighed three pounds three three pounds something ounces and dropped down less than three i was in the two pound range at some point i think it was i was in the nicu or whatever that the version of nicu was way back then perhaps it was nicu i don't know um for like six weeks so like i my my my, my most recent son he's following in my footsteps how about this do you know the other part of that story about me being yeah you uh when you came out you said shout out to Devin Downey I did first thing I did I almost named my kid Devin Downey how funny would it have been if I would have named this boy instead of Louie named him Devin Downey Devin Downey Parish. Devin Downey Parish <laughs> Didi Parish why didn't I do that at least nobody would I don't have know why at least, at least nobody would have mispronounced it check this out this is a crazy story then we'll get out of here so my my uh so I was born I was due March 24th I was born January 24th uh, exactly two weeks, I mean, two months before the due date. So a couple years later, my mother's pregnant again with my, my younger brother, and she is due September 4th, 1979, with my brother. That's the due date. So they're having a July 4th cookout, like friends and everything. Because my parents were like, my parents were 22 when they had me. They were 24 when they had my brother. So they were young, like type that would still like cook out and drink and like, you know, well, I mean, I still do that at 30. Your mom's drinking. <laughs> no, she wasn't. But like my dad, I know you're saying. my dad I know. certainly was, but they're having a cookout, like, you know, whatever. So my mom looks at my father 
and says, hey, do you know what today is? He's like, of course I know what today is. It's July 4th. What are you talking about? It's, it's like Independence Day. We, we're having a cookout. She's like, it's two months before the due date. He's like, okay. She's like, but little Gary was born exactly two months before the due date. He's like, okay. She's like, we need to go to the hospital. He's like, what are you talking about? We've got the grill going. It's July 4th. She's like, we need to go to the hospital. He's like, you're being crazy. Do you feel, are you having contractions? Do you feel like we need to go to the hospital? She's like, no, but it is two months, just like little Gary. So we need to go to the hospital. My dad's like, you are out of your mind. And they never told me the whole story, but like, I'm confident, like he started cussing both in general and at her. And, uh, and so he's, and plus he's like been drinking and like, you know, and she's like, you got to take me. So he like drive to the hospital. He's pissed off, furious. She just, she just screwed up July 4th. All their friends are over at the house, everything like she's, you understand she's feeling nothing. He drops her off at the front door of the hospital and says, all right, like go inside, whatever. This is crazy. I'm going to go get a pack of cigarettes. I'll be back in a minute. He goes to the gas station, gets a pack of cigarettes, comes back to the hospital, parks the car, walks inside. My brother had already been born. Just ridiculous. Wait, I like, feel like you you like, told me that, but Wade, I don't know if you told me that on the podcast. That's Wade, insane. Weighed like 2.9 pounds, dropped down to like 1.9. Like he was smaller than me. And stayed in the NICU longer than I did. Um, but that's like a 100% true story. My mother went to the hospital simply because it was, she was, I don't know if superstitious is the right word, but just like aware of the date. My dad dropped her off at the front door, went to the gas station, came back, and my brother was born. Is that bananas? It's really an insane story. So anyway. Like, for, yeah. Honestly, unbelievable, but I believe it. No, like I wouldn't make that up. I mean, it's possible my parents made it up. I mean, how would I know? But that's the that's the version of the story that they give me. My brother and I were both premature, and look at us now. All right, so you know we do want to do this Monday Thursday thing, but Thursday Thanksgiving, and I got to go to two different family houses, so there's no shot we're recording on Thanksgiving. So, what do you want to do with this week? Hmm. I mean, I'm just at the hospital every day. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing about it. It's not funny. I really wake up. My whole life now is waking up, going to the hospital, staying there all day, and then uh, and then coming home and going to sleep, and then waking up, going back to the hospital. So, uh, and do you want to aim? We can we can aim to either like do what we're doing right now, like Wednesday late night? Thanksgiving night. Like, well, no, no, we could do like I let's I I want to wait till we get Maui results, and we won't have the title game done till too late, and I have to get up early. So, do you want to wait till like? late Thursday night and then we can have a podcast fresh Friday morning for people that wake up with a little bit of a turkey hangover. You can go Black Friday shopping and listen to the Ion College basketball podcast. We'll do that then. Is that perfect? I think it feels yes. perfect to me. I, th- I think that will be terrific. We'll have plenty of results to gab about and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. Great to great to chat again. This was a worthwhile and we're, we're not even at an hour. I gotta admit, I thought we had cleared an hour but we haven't even done that. But you know what? It's all good because we got another one coming this week. Uh, Thursday night we will we will record a podcast uh, once again. That is a pro- unless I have another surprise child, which I do not plan on doing. So uh, remember, you can subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get your hands on the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So do that. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we're going to talk to you again a little later on this week. Till then, 